Welcome to Making Metric Easy, presented by Outlaw Technology. I'm Hans Dietrich, and since Bri Oaxaca is on vacation on a beach today, we have Dave Eagleson, CEO and founder of Outlaw, as our guest host. Hi, Dave. Hey, Hans. Uh, great to be here. And as always, each week we speak with companies in the trenches of the seed to sale process. And today we're happy to welcome a team from a long-term partner of Outlaw, Colta, a vertically integrated cannabis company in Maryland. They're a premier craft quality producer of cannabis flower and extracts, and we are very fortunate to have Jay Bolton, Senior Director of Cultivation at Colta. Hey, Jay. How you doing, Hans? And we have Deja Johnson, ERP Metric Supervisor. Hi, Deja. Hey, how are you? And we have Jessica Schultz, ERP Coordinator for Indoor Cultivation, whatever that means, but I'm sure she'll tell us what that is. Hi, Jess. Hi, how are you doing? So to get started, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and we're going to ask each of you this question. How did you get started in the cannabis industry? So I had a head start uh, head of the medical and recreational industry in Colorado, which allowed us to have a, a good head start when the licenses and ability to work in the industry in Colorado came around. So in 2014, I started to manage a uh, dispensary downtown in Denver. And then from then on, I moved into the grow side where my passion was. And then in 2018, I moved out to Cambridge to help Colta get off the ground and came here before the first harvest and have been here for the last five and a half years since. Deja, same question to you. How'd you get started in this wonderful industry of ours? Well, I actually got started in this industry in 2019. I came from an office admin background and data entry. I worked at Human Resources and I was very burnt out on office life. I started working at a dispensary in 2019. And then in 2020, I made my way to Colta. Jay was actually one of the, was the person to interview me. He was one of the first faces I saw. And it's kind of been given it ever since. It was kind of like a good unit here. That's a big jump into the weed industry. I hope you like it way better. I know I love this industry more than any other I've worked in. So I hope the same thing goes for you. It's and, true. And Jess, how did you get started? Um, kind of the same as Deja. I have a background in business administration, office work. But it's just something that I've always been interested in. And when medicinal came to Maryland, I started looking for positions, found one here at Calta, thankfully, and have been loving it ever since. Speaking of medicinal in Maryland, as you know, and probably most of our listeners know, as of July 1st, Maryland has adult use as well. And how has that affected Calta? What's going on? Busy, way busy, new location stores? Yes. Yeah, so we have been preparing for the adult use phase of Maryland's market to for the last two to three years we've been preparing. And so once we once we found out that the that the regulations were going to drop and that July first was the the first date of adult use, we have been preparing for, you know, really since January of twenty twenty three just making sure that we have our staffing up, that we have our equipment um, and all of our automation ready to go. We're really just making sure that we are able to supply the market with as much of the Colta-grown products as possible after July 1st. 
I'm curious, Jay, so what kind of demand have you seen? I mean, I know you, you as a cultivator, you know, you've probably got a huge pull from not only your own dispensaries, but the market in general. I mean, have you have you been able to keep up? I mean, I almost get the sense that Maryland is, is moving so quickly that, you know, right now I would imagine you're almost sold out. Yeah, it's definitely a very, you know, we're still only less than two months in from adult sales. So we're still we still have a lot to kind of see how it goes, you know, how the the market reacts over a long-term period. But the first two months has been, you know, every bit um, is what we were expecting, I guess, just a little bit under, I think Maryland as a whole has about doubled their sales um, from before July 1st. So in the past, it was, it looked to be about a three X growth um, for any state that has transitioned from medical to recreational but we are also the 14th state you know to to make that transition so you know sales have obviously exploded but um they're not quite as explosive as the 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 times past what we're what we're finding is that there is a lot the the dispensaries on the outer limits the the border towns of maryland are really really having explosive growth and then the center of maryland where not many people are coming from out of state. It's uh, it's it's grown about that two times, and so um, you know. But like I said, we're still only less than two months in. There's still a lot of things that need to get you know figured out in the state, but but we're very happy with where it's at. That's awesome, Jessica. And I mean, Jess and Nadeja. I'm curious, being in the cultivation side of the house. I mean, how's the ramp up been for you guys? Just kind of like a steady, slow increase, I think. But everybody's handled it really well, and we have a really good system here that works really well with cultivation, and uh, everybody's taking it in strides. It's been pretty smooth. Deja, what's your thoughts? With rec- with adult use, with cultivation, we have a steady schedule, which makes us easy um, to pivot. So it was just a lot of pivoting and, you know, much more data entry and just working closely with Jay. Um, everything that we do reflects on him. So we just basically work close with him and all the other managers in cultivation just to make sure that, you know, we keep things steady and streamlined. I think we have a lot of good, like, uh, data, like, detail-oriented people here. So it's not necessarily hard when, uh, like, you know, we get a hard ball, so, uh, so to speak. I think we're very, very good knowing um, how to tackle a lot of things. So, I mean, even though it may have been stressful for a lot of other people, I think we fared pretty well here. That's awesome. Jay, you've been with Colta, sounds like, from the beginning, so I'm going to ask this question of you. How did you come across Outlaw in the first place? I know you and Dave have been working together for a long time already, but how did uh, you guys first meet? How did you come across our technology? So Colta and Outlaw came together. I Honestly, I'm not too sure where the impetus was, but we John Enders was our original post-harvest manager. And he worked with Dave in the, the beginning phases of Outlaw to, you know, test the equipment, test the uh, software in real time um, with, with harvesting here in-house. And uh, it, it, took, it took a few a few different stabs at it to really dial into, you know, what the successes were and what we needed to, to work on. But after, you know, some, some back and forth and a lot of, uh, a lot of work together, um, the outlaw really came around, I guess it was probably in 2020, I think was when we really started to utilize it on with every single harvest. Yeah. It started out with, with one of our older 
one of our older uh, employees here that was hands-on with uh, starting this entire operation. Yeah, I remember coming in there a few times with you folks. And at that point, you only had the indoor. In fact, I, if I'm not correct, we can go into this, but you guys had the first outdoor uh, cultivation in Maryland, I remember. Um, so yeah, when I went in there, I think it was Brandon and John and working with your team there to get it all dialed in correctly. So yeah, it's been a great experience for us as well. I do remember the first time I came in with John, he was told by a vendor that RFID wouldn't work because of the lights in the rooms, which I found very interesting. So I had to prove to John with a handheld that that wasn't quite true. <laughs> so it took a little bit, but you know, you guys have been a great partner for us and uh, we've appreciated working with you guys. I'm curious, now that you have both indoor and outdoor, I know it's different in the harvest because, you know, again, you're you're indoors on a more steady flow basis, where as we kind of refer to it, Croptober, the outdoor. How do you guys deal with that? I mean, how does it fit, you know, as far as our tool sets? I mean, we we implement the tools really in the same way. It's just the volume of the outside of the outdoor harvest and the, the timing of it is just much bigger scale. So for indoor, we're, we can complete a harvest in one day. With outdoor, it is about a six-week solid process. And so the equipment really is utilized in the same way. We have our scale set up at our way station and, you know, we're zapping in every single plant that comes in, putting it directly into metric that way, and then continuing the harvest process there. Um, so the, the equipment really is utilized very similarly. It's just, uh, it's an absolutely much different scale that we're, we're using it on. And how did you harvest before you had outlaw this question? Is obviously for Jay since Deja and Jess came after Colt was already using Outlaw, but how was it going before that? Well, I mean, before before we were utilizing Outlaw, we were hand you know hand weighing and hand writing every single plant tag, every single weight. You know that was really the only way to to do it, and it it allowed for much more data entry uh, errors. It made the process much much slower for an indoor harvest where we're able to, to take some of these rooms down by just over lunchtime, it used to take us that entirety of a day, if not, you know, a, a 10 hour full day in order to make sure that every plant was, you know, recorded, weighed correctly. So it was very clunky, very slow, um, and very difficult to take that data and enter it in cleanly and, and fast. Yeah, I'll have to give you guys credit though. One of the things that we added to our OG harvest, just for, for your own understanding, is I remember watching you guys would print out the hard copy from metric of all the plant IDs. And I remember someone standing there with a highlighter and a clipboard and they would highlight across and write the number down, highlight across, write the number down. We created our kind of uh, the ability to follow in real time your harvest because I watched that and I'm like, there's got to be a better way to show these people. Are they ahead of schedule, behind schedule? Are they missing a plant? So I have to give you guys credit. Watching that gave me an idea to build that tool set with our CTO, Justin. Yeah, yeah. And and like back to what you said there with printing out the RFIDs or, you know, printing out, printing out the plant tags with the strain names and all that uh, on there, that was a step up from, you know, the first however many harvests where it was complete and, uh, you know, complete data entry all by hand. Yeah, times are changing. I'm curious, so Deja and Jess, do you guys use the handheld much? I know that's another area. I know we focused on harvest. I'm just curious what your experience has been with like audits and moves and such. Well, I came in 
on June 2020. And I think we were on like our last two, like uh, manually entered harvest then. I was fortunate enough to uh, have the baton passed to me when all the troubleshooting was done without law. So it's kind of been honestly very smooth sailing with me. It's very intuitive. Um, it's very easy to see what you're doing. And it's just extremely helpful, especially when you're trying to uh, locate a specific plant that you can't necessarily see with your own eyes. It's super helpful that way. Another thing that I really love about Outlaw, especially with the handheld devices and the OG tablet, is just how responsive your support team is to us. Um, I remember last year, uh, we have two OG tablets, one for indoor, one for outdoor. When the outdoor one was put away, um, they did not know what they did with the court. And uh, <laughs> it, was a, <laughs> it was a day before har- it was a day before harvest and everybody's freaking out. And I'm just like, we, I'm going to reach out to them and we're going to get a new court. And they're like, why are you so calm? Why are you so calm? And that was just because you guys overnighted us a new court. We were completely fine by 8 a.m. that morning. And I don't have that sense of peace with any other third party we deal with. Wow. That's that's, a, that's nice you, to hear. Well, thank you for that. I say you, that as well. Just oh, thank just you. So, you know, um, the few times that I have had to deal with any kind of support or anything like that, you guys are always very fast on it and very quick to respond and even go above and beyond the original question or what we have going on to make sure everything else is okay too. So it's very much appreciated. Well, you guys all also have our personal cell phone numbers so you can reach us at any time and as we tell people we're not afraid to give them out because stuff doesn't break you know sometimes you misplace a cord or something but usually we can take care of whatever problem very very quickly yeah the other thing i was the other thing i was gonna say hans let me just jump in i think the one thing that we realized starting out law is that you know look your metric demands and requirements like your harvest has to be in with the 24-hour window so we know how critical it is we can't take a support ticket from you guys and go, we'll get back to you in a week. A week is unacceptable. We knew that starting out and realized that customer service and our support had to be top notch for you guys to feel confident in us. And again, we appreciate you guys. You've been a great customer, but no, I just want to throw that in because it is a very focused point for us because again, we know compliance wise, you have literally time, 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 time uh, constraints that you have to contend with. So we have to be responsive. Our whole goal is to make compliance easier and we want to keep make sure you stay in compliance and streamline everything that you need to do as far as reporting and data capture that's that's our that's our mission speaking of which jay since you were in colorado before and were familiar with metric before you moved to maryland to help get culta going what was your experience there? I'm I'm curious, were you even aware of what could be done with the metric tags since they had RFID chips in them, or was it all just writing it down on clipboards or typing it in manually? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely much more of a manual process than, you know, my duties with metric than I, the only real true duties I had was clone creation and tag creation. So, you know, what I how I had to utilize metric before, uh, it wasn't as in depth. So I wasn't really able to see the, the, you know, the, the bigger picture there and what all could be helped with that. But, but yeah, it was definitely uh, a very, very slow process. Just kind of like when we started here at Colta, everything, you know, highlighter and a, and a spreadsheet or a clipboard. And that's what you got. Yeah, I'm curious to that end. I mean, how have you guys view metric now? And again, we call this ma- making metric easy. 
Um, obviously, we we tie into metric and and integrate with it as well as ERPs like your Acumatica type instances. But I'm just curious, your guys' perception of metric, you know, say three years ago to today, better? I'm hoping. Jess, Deja. Yeah, the same. But, or but Jay. Then. I never really had a uh, bad perception in metrics. I think maybe it's because of the time I came into the industry. Um, as of right now, I know we're going through, um, since adult youth, we're going through a lot of uh, some small changes. You guys have been extremely helpful um, with us uh, switching our license number outlaw. We, everything else with changing the, with our new license number has been like not stressful, but kind of irritating, honestly. And being able to just simply like switch over our license in your um, on your platform was like the easiest thing we've had to do for adult use. That's great. You were gonna say, Jay? Oh no, I was just gonna say uh, I would like the uh, the ladies to answer that. So I don't know if you had anything to to, to add there, Jess. Um, well, I came in. I've only been here about two years. So metric really hasn't changed much, except for the small changes that Deja was talking about. But it really is. It's an easy to learn system and I like how it's built for like our industry for what we do. It's um, very user friendly and I really think that Outlaw complements it very well. Um, they work together seamlessly and it's again very much appreciated and makes our lives much easier. Now this next question is for all of you. You got the RFID tags from Metric. What would happen if those went away? If you didn't have RFID, if you had to go back to pen and paper, would you? How would you guys react? How would you respond to that? I don't think any of us would would appreciate the uh, the change. Before I know, because I also did work in Las Vegas, um, we didn't utilize the RFID gun, but we did use the barcode scanner. So, you know, there still would be, I guess, another another option there. You have to make sure that every tag is flat. Like it's even though you can zap and use some sort of a technology with that, uh, it's it's not nearly as as smooth and seamless as the RFID. No, it's definitely not. And we've actually, I think, one time we had an internet issue since I started here one day, and the tablet we couldn't get the the Outlaw tablet to work. And I think it was like half of the harvest we had to do manually. And I was not a happy camper. <laughs> Listen, we need, we need to set up a time we can show you how to work it in offline mode as well so you can still make everything happen even if you don't have internet. And you probably know this by now, but you can always hotspot it to your phone as well. Oh, I did know about the hotspot. I yeah. have to get Deja on that one. <laughs> you know, we, work, we work with growers all over the country, some in the middle of nowhere with like no internet service. So we had to try to take into account every and plan for every contingency. I think I may have brought this up before, but we had one time where harvest was going on. I think it was in Michigan and, and there was a huge snowstorm and the power went off and there was no internet. But so they just took the tablet home at night and uploaded it from their house where they had, where they had internet access. So they, yeah, I, lines. Yeah. Sorry to, to interrupt there, but I, we have learned the offline mode since then because our, our outdoor harvest, uh, depending on exactly where we're setting up in the facility to weigh that and there's we have very poor connection uh connectivity out there as well so uh this year i i think we did have a breakthrough of being able to perform all of that um offline 
And did you, Jay, when you when you do the out, outdoor, I'm curious, are you still doing segments or were you able to, to get the entire plant weighed? Because I remember your plants were massive. I mean, it's, it's strain dependent and plant dependent, but at this at, at the size of plants that we have right now, when we're harvesting them, they're about 30,000 grams wow. wet. So, you know, we're talking almost a 60 pound plant. And so we've, yeah, there's, there's no way to really get accurate weight on the scales that we've got there. So it's a good problem to have, but yes, we do have to break down the, the outdoor plants into multiple stages to, to weigh just one individual plant. What makes Colta unique in your opinion and what processes set you all apart? I think what sets us apart to, to begin with was that we were always focused on quality first. We were always a, we prided ourselves in growing what we considered to be the best cannabis um, that was available on the medicinal market, now the recreational market. Um, and so I think that was a difference. The initial, you know, 15 licenses in Maryland that we were really quality and craft focused uh, over most other people, I would say. And so that is kind of what's differentiated us. We really treated everything with a lot of respect. We, we only hand trimmed for the first two to three years. And it was just a, when we were, a, you know, the smaller version of Colta, we were able to put every single ounce of, of care into every single product. And we've been able to maintain that as we grow, but it's, um, you know, obviously with the help of, uh, more automation and, and more process changes, but. I think that that's really just what, what separates us is that we, we focus on culture and quality while obviously needing to hit numbers and, and all of that to, to maintain. But we really just, uh, we want people to understand that the cannabis lifestyle and the, the, the culture that came before any of this is alive and well, and we try to represent that really good. Yeah, that's great. Real quick, I'm curious. Well, one thing that I always found interesting coming to your facility, just to throw it out to the audience, is they're the most secure facility. They literally back up to the police station. I, I had to drive through the police station and I think the fire station to get to your facility. So I have a feeling you're, you're very secure <laughs> because uh, I always found it interesting going through the parking lot to get to you guys. Yeah, that added layer of security is, uh, is much appreciated at this oh, point. Yeah. Uh, it- I don't think they were as comfortable with it as we were um, to begin with. But at this point now, we have a great relationship with them. All of our security guards are either retired or off-duty police. You know, it's a, it's we kind of work hand-in-hand hand with them, honestly, here in Cambridge. So it's uh, it turned out, it started out being a little different of a, of a situation, but it's actually worked uh, to our favor. Yeah, I think well. the... The landmark your team gave me when I first went down there was, we're behind the police station. <laughs> I thought to myself, that's interesting. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, but I always thought that was kind of uh, funny. I'm curious with me- with the adult use, obviously there's going to be more licensees, cultivators coming online. What are some things you think that keep you guys, I know the craft side, the, the attention to detail, as far as you st- guys staying competitive, premier strains. Is there certain things you see the market where cult is going to just thrive? I think our outdoor grow is offers a lot of advantages for cost of production, skew diversity. It's good, you know, it really just kind of allows us to to produce all sorts of different products, whether it's indoor, outdoor, lab products, whatever it is. You know, we're really just focusing on becoming more and more efficient, uh, reducing 
waste and streamlining processes now to you know, knowing what we do well and just maintaining that in the more streamlined version, you know, maintaining quality over everything and trying to keep that culture intact um, is, is, I think, where we'll keep us, you know, soaring over uh, the rest of the the more, you know, manufacturing-based uh, companies. Deja and Jess and Jay, I'm curious as to what you would tell others looking to come into the cannabis industry. Uh, tips on how to be successful in it. Just anything that you think other people should know. I'll start there. You know, I think that something that is not understood by many people before they join the industry is that this is a real job, that there's a lot of hard work involved. Uh, it doesn't matter if you are a trimmer, a packager, a grower, or anything in between. There's it's a much higher level of, of work and determination that's required usually than most people understand. I think a lot of people think that they're coming into the industry, they're going to go into a, a grow. Everybody is, you know, all everybody's smoking weed on the on the job and everybody's just laughing and it's uh it's this la la land and that couldn't be further from the truth we are a, a factory a manufacturing facility that is heavily focused on safety compliance production i think that just takes a lot of people by surprise when they they join um the the industry that there's actually very very hard work involved in every step of the way Deja and Jess, do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It is, it can be intimidating, um, you know, what you have in your head versus what you see when you first walk through that door and the work that is involved. But I will also say that it is very rewarding work. If you have that passion for what we do, it really does put a smile on your face every day coming to this facility. I started as a cultivator six months into COVID. It was an experience for sure. I was afraid that it would be too much for me. But one thing that I learned in this industry, especially with Jay and Jess and plenty of other people, is that all you need to do is add value. And if you know how to do that, if you know how to add value to your environment, then you're going to be fine. With me, I mean, I was a subpar cultivator, but I was very good at getting things in order. And that helped me out a lot. And when you're good at things, people notice. And sometimes it's not just about uh, knowing everything. It is also about having skills that are transferable. Absolutely. We're running short on time, but I'd like to tell our listeners where they can find your products in Maryland. What are, where are your dispensaries? Where else can they buy them? Can you run through a list really quickly for us? Uh, yes, so our flagship dispensary is at 215 Key Highway in the uh, inner harbor of Baltimore. So right there in Federal Hill in the middle of the city overlooking the water. That was our flagship dispensary that we built in 2018. And then two months ago, we have acquired two new dispensaries that will become the cult of name in January. But right now it is uh, Greenhouse Wellness, which is an elegant city. And then cannabis, which is in Ur Urbana on the western side of the state. So at this point now, we have three dispensaries under our under our belt. We still serve, you know, 
I don't know the percentage, but a, a good chunk of the the remaining dispensaries. Right now, there's 99 functioning dispensaries in the state, and um, we we serve a good chunk of those. I, I don't want to speak, you know, I don't know exactly right now because the simple fact is it's also distribution throughout the state now with recreational. We have to be uh, even smarter about it. Um, so as we maintain our inventory and our stock too. So it's a, it's a new game that we're playing as far as distribution and, and you know, planning. I'm sure you post on social media where, where they can find you. What, where, what are your social media accounts? Where can they find you? Like on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. So Colta IG is our Instagram handle and you can find us with at Colta on Facebook as well. There's really, I don't think we've got too many other Maryland's marketing regulations are pretty strict. And so it kind of limits the amount of uh, social media presence that we can have. And Instagram's uh, regulations are pretty strict too. They don't let you post too much about cannabis. No, no, they've been, they've been good with us the last few years, but to, to, to start, I believe we've, we had to create two or three new accounts you know, within those first couple of years, just based off of, yeah, what they were, uh, what they determined was, was against their, uh, policy, but yeah, they've been, we, we've, we learned to navigate those waters much easier and, uh, it's been, it's been good since then. Uh, even with legalization, we're still considered outlaws. Speaking of which Dave's going to ask you the final question. We ask every one of our guests go for it, Dave. Yeah, we like to know who your favorite outlaw is, and that could be someone from, say, the movies, from history, from you name it. You decide who your outlaw is, and I'll kind of go around for each of you. So I'll start with you, Jess. I don't know why, but Kissing Kate Barlow from the movie Holes, she was always my favorite. Nice. Great movie. I think that's the first for that one. So we try and keep track. How about you, Deja? Any Arthur. Oh, cool. Very nice. And then last but not least, Jay, who's your favorite outlaw? Gotta go with Willie Nelson, I think. There you go. Willie Nelson. <laughs> Love him. Well, thank you, Jay, Dejan, Jess, for being our guests today. We loved having you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very much for having us. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to all of you listening. You can download past episodes of our program by going to outlawtechnology.net, cannabisradio.com, or the Cannabis Radio app for iTunes and Google Play, as well as subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and be well.